ESPN Radio. He is Chris Carl and I am Chris Candy, and this is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at ChrisCanty99 and at Chris Carlin. And we want you guys to tap in on the Candy Carlin line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But, big fella, we got to go out to the hotline to bring on ESPN sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan. And if you don't know, all you out there listening, now you know. Pay attention to what Aaron Dolan says because it could be the difference in you making a little bit of money Hmm. on the side. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. But, Aaron, we always appreciate a few moments of your time. Got a big-time return tonight for the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant is expected to suit up after a 21-game absence. They're going to be going up against the Miami Heat who are in the second of a back-to-back. And so I know that we all understand that the Nets are a better team with Kevin Durant on the floor, but... You're the perfect person to help us quantify his actual impact when he gets back to this team. What's that going to look like tonight? Yes, well, thank you guys, first and foremost, having me back on. Of course, the Nets are going to be super excited to have back Kevin Durant, but it really depends on how much time he's actually going to play in this game. I believe Steve Nash is going to talk to the media around this time, so we'll know within the next hour of how many minutes he's expected to play because that's really going to impact how we bet this game. So right now, I saw his points prop was posted at 22.5 on Caesars. It's already been bet up to 23.5, but the juice is to the under. And then on top of that, I just personally think if I was to bet on Kevin Durant in this situation, thinking that, okay, it's his first game back. Yes, he's playing the Miami Heat, who are a great defensive team. But they have some players right now that are also questionable, including Jimmy Butler. So what I would do is I would look at his rebounds and assists combine those and go under 10 and a half because anytime he's on the floor, you know, everybody's going to be passing him the ball. He's not going to be looking to, you know, set people up in this spot just because obviously he's adding in Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. He's never really played in a full game with them and he's not going to be passing the ball to a Kyrie Irving or as we know, a James Harden at this point. So I do like that. And I also don't think he'd be crashing the board. So under 10 and a half um, assist and rebounds combine those. And I think he'd be good to go. Aaron NBA MVP, The market is, you know, always interesting to keep an eye on. So how do you evaluate it right now? Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about it a lot. And actually, Joel and B just flipped as we're on this call to minus money, minus 110. And the last time I saw it, it was plus 100 this morning. So we were really concerned that with the addition of James Harden, that Joel and B's odds would lessen somewhat and he wouldn't have as great of a case. But now it seems that since we've seen a small sample size of how he plays with James Harden as well as Tyrese Maxey. He's been awesome as well. Um, Joel Embiid is actually making even more of a case because of their seeding, and they could potentially get that number one seed in the Eastern Conference. As for Jokic, he's still hanging out in that uh, plus 200 range. Giannis has moved back slightly. DeMar DeRozan has moved up. A lot of talk around him. And same thing with John Morant. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular. We know he's been having insane game is putting up huge numbers he just had a 52 point performance and before that had a 46 point performance so of course that's going to come down but I just don't think there's enough time left in this season for John Morant to catch a player like Joel Embiid talking with ESPN sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan on ESPN radio and Aaron in addition to the Nets heat game we got some great matchups tonight around the NBA you got the Mavs and the Golden State Warriors. You got the one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, the Grizz up in Boston taking on the Celtics. Uh, I mean, the Bulls taking on the Hawks. Any of those games catch your eye in terms of seeing value and being able to bet them? 
Yeah, some of these games, again, like I would mentioned with Miami, we're not really sure who exactly is going to be in, so I'm kind of holding off on some of those games. But there also have been a little bit of fishy lines. So Golden State opened minus 2.5, got as high as plus 2.5. Same thing for the Bulls. The Bulls opened minus 4, switched to plus 1 at one point, and then flipped back to minus money. So those are really moving around, so I'm looking not to play those games, actually. Of course, you can play any of the games that are on the board. I like to go with things that are actually – you know, calculated risks instead of wondering what's going on with that line. Um, I think the Grizzlies are a great first-half team, great first-half against the spread and first-half money line. They're absolutely insane in terms of that. 9-1 and ATS in the last 10 games straight up and against the spread in that first half. I mean, they're absolutely dominating the league in terms of that. And overall, they're just the best team against the spread. As for the Celtics, we know last game against the Hawks, they went down by 14 points in that first half. So, I am looking at to play the Grizzlies first half and first half against the spread. They're also second in pace in the month of February. So they're a really quick team and it might shake things up with the Celtics considering Jalen Brown's out as well. In the 14 games that he has not played in, the Browns, or the Browns, excuse me, the Celtics have um, not been able to be as great defensively, allowing opponents an extra 4.6 points per game. So I am looking again, Grizzlies first half uh, money line and against the spread for that game. Erin Dolan, ESPN sports betting analyst, joining us. You can join. You can follow her on Twitter at Erin Kate Dolan. Any NBA best bets tonight? Yes, a few best bets. If you uh, tune into Daily Wager, you'll also hear some of these as well. But I'm looking at this is so random. The Clippers second quarter. It's minus half a point right now. The Lakers are the worst team in the second quarter. They're two and eight ATS in the last ten games. They failed to cover three straight. They're twenty two. 38 and one in the second quarter. So you would have lost a lot of money if you bet the Lakers. And a lot of this is due to their rotations and things like that. But the Clippers, they're six and four ATS in that second quarter. The last time these two teams met, which was just three games ago, the Clippers were up by six points in that second quarter. I know this is the most random bet. And you're probably like, Aaron, why in the world would I be betting this? But the Lakers are such a team to fade in that second quarter. So I do like that. And I also like the Aaron Fox over 25 and a half points. Um, the Kings, they struggled last game against the Pelicans. But he still put up 25 points in that game. Since DeMontis Sabonis has been added into the lineup, that's just been eight games now. Um, he's hit over 25 and a half points in six of eight games. He's averaging 27 points in the month of February. So he's really been picking things up. And on top of that, the Spurs allow the second most points per game to opposing guards in the NBA. And the last time these two teams faced each other, De'Aaron Fox had 37 points. So I do like him for over his points prop tonight. Good stuff, Aaron. And I will say this, as a long-suffering Lakers fan, you could have stopped the statement as the Lakers are the worst. You didn't have to go into the second quarter details. You could just stop it with the Lakers are the worst. Uh, Maybe some hope in the other quarters, but you're extremely bad in the second. Uh, That makes you feel better, doesn't it? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, All right, Aaron, we appreciate a few moments of your time. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you, guys. See you next week. All right, that is ESPN sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan. She's going to get your pockets right, man. I'm playing it right now. I'm telling you right now, like what she said about the Memphis Grizzlies in the first half, ATS, I'm telling you, go ahead and take that to the bank. Aaron Dolan, she knows exactly what she's talking about, and we've been keeping track. Nice track record when it comes to her plays. We're just going to go ahead and put that on out there. But looking at the NBA slate tonight, big fella, what's the game that's catching your eye? If I'm looking at – Playing a game tonight mm-hmm. or the game? I mean, listen, I'm most interested in watching Memphis. Yeah. Memphis-Boston tonight. Memphis-Boston. Um, I don't know how much. Here's the thing. I, I know Jason Tatum is an absolute stud. 
But Jalen Brown also brings a lot to the table. And the fact that he's going to be out of the game and the way that John Moran has been playing in the month of February, he's got three games where he's north of 40 points this month. I mean, in the month of February. And now we're in March. I get it. But, I mean, this guy is playing outside of his mind. So I just, I don't know, man. I I, I know that Boston's favored in this matchup because they're at home. But this Memphis Grizzlies team has got something going that's pretty special. Warriors are getting two on the road in Dallas. Warriors are getting two on the road in Dallas. So, so you like some Luka magic? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying give me the Warriors. You're saying rolling with the Warriors? Warriors are getting two. Warriors. I, I have to, they're <laughs> getting points. And I know. I, I know. Here's the problem. I get sucked in so easily. <laughs> I, I do not have to be convinced very hard. I, I've, I tell you what, like, Timeshare salesmen, those guys, they would have a feast with me. Uh-huh. Like, I, I will buy into the hype of anything at any moment. I hear you. My, I hear you. My I wife you. would just I, rip me away from her. I don't know. I'm not like that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a little more cautious when it comes to it. That's why I lean on Aaron Dolan and her expertise, because mm-hmm. I know if it's left to my own devices, I'm probably going to crap out. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, oh, man. I, I'm a sucker. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Okay, <laughs> coming up next. What do they say about Kevin Durant's legacy if the Nets fail to make the playoffs this year? Carlin and I will get into it. You're listening to ESPN Radio. Back in a few. ESPN Radio. It's Carlin and Kenny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Kenny call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. Again, that's 888-729-3776. And big fella, everybody's excited about Kevin Durant coming back. He's been gone for 21 games. This Brooklyn Nets team is just not the same. Right now, they're the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. They're in the play-in tournament right now, if you look at it. Two games behind the Toronto Raptors in the win column. And so it's a situation now where everybody wonders whether or not they have enough firepower to be able to climb their way to that sixth seed to avoid the play-in altogether. You heard assistant coach Jock Vaughn talk about it after he filled in with Steve Nash the night before and saying that that's something that's important to him. And so if this is going to happen for Brooklyn, it's going to be off the back of Kevin Durant being able to make a Herculean effort down the stretch run of the regular season in order to position this team, stack some W's, and try to get a clear path, an easier path, in order to compete for a championship. Here's a larger question around it all. Durant has already signed his extension. Yeah. So with that in mind, what happens if they don't make the playoffs? What happens if the next couple of years they're in a very similar situation where they continue to deal with injuries for different guys where you don't know if Kyrie's going to take two weeks off just without even letting anybody know anything? What does that speak to Durant and his long-term legacy? Because think about it for a second. I This, to me, is headed for one of the worst decisions ever that you can make as an athlete and and the reason i say that is because of where he was and who he hitched his wagon to because look we all know that Kyrie can be a little bit out there we knew that he certainly knew that yet somehow Kyrie convinced him hey it's you and me let's go make this happen and then it was Harden and then Harden comes in and within a year Harden wants to get away from Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Think about that for a second. And then you're turning to Ben Simmons. Like, Chris, 
I don't know if this is headed anywhere good for the overall legacy of Kevin Durant when it's all said and done for him. I think this is going to be looked back on as people saying, what was he thinking leaving Golden State? Well, here's what he did. He presented himself as a guy that was only about ball, right? If it's not about basketball, he doesn't care. Like, I, I get it. He's got the interest with the boardroom and, and, and the digital currency space, you know, cryptocurrency, all of that stuff. But he's been a guy that's presented himself to the media as to only being about basketball and trying to compete at the highest levels of the sport. So to leave an ideal basketball situation with Golden State where he was surrounded by guys like Klay Thompson, guys like Steph Curry, Draymond Green, proven champions for the relatively unknown with the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving, who has proven himself to be a mercurial player, a guy that has interests outside of basketball and is not always exactly dialed in. I think it's fair to criticize not only the decision that he made, but to criticize Kevin Durant in terms of his leadership and what that means in terms of what he can do in the sport and competing at the highest level. He wants to be remembered as one of the greatest players of all time. And that means winning championships, stacking rings. And I don't know if Brooklyn is going to present the opportunity for him to do that more consistently than Golden State. So, yeah, I think it's absolutely fair to question what his legacy will be be, will be like because this is a guy that prioritized something else over basketball when he made the decision to leave Golden State and come to Brooklyn. But are you going to think about putting all your eggs in the Kyrie Irving basket? That's an uncomfortable place to be, especially after what you saw in Boston. Yeah. I mean, not not. I mean, the Cleveland stuff aside, because he didn't get along with LeBron James when they were there. But they when, still won a championship. When he, they still won a championship, and he hit one of the biggest shots yep. in that series in order to help deliver that ring to Cleveland. But if you look at what happened when he was in Boston and how he was supposed to be the leader and that team splintered, and you're talking about a team before he got there that pushed that Cleveland Cavaliers team to the brink right. in Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. When they when Kyrie got there, that team under Brad Stevens imploded, and they still haven't recovered from that. No, they, they still haven't. And so now Kyrie Irving is with the Brooklyn Nets. They decided to come over three years ago, and yet we still haven't seen them fulfill the promise of what this Brooklyn Nets team could be. Everybody said this was going to be a team that was capable of making multiple championship runs. They were supposed to be the favorites once Kevin Durant recovered from that Achilles injury, and it just hasn't worked out like that. It just hasn't. This may be unfair, but it's how I'm thinking about it right now. What they ended up doing in the grand scheme is trading away all the picks and the swaps trading away Jared Allen, trading away Karis LeVert, uh, Torian Prince, all to get Ben Simmons. And getting rid of Kenny Atkinson, too. Well, that's the one. Lest we not forget that one. He deserved the opportunity there, but that was that was all about Durant and and Kyrie just saying this is who we want. This is our guy. And by the way, and what is that relationship? What is that relationship capital that Steve Nash has with those guys? Gotten you? I don't. Nothing. It's gotten you a Kyrie. It's gotten you a Kyrie Irving that's been reduced to a part-time player. This is after the organization said that we weren't going to settle for a part-time player. Chris, I mean, I'm I'm 100 of the belief that at the end of the year, Steve Nash could get fired. Because they're going to blame him. They're going to point the finger at him and then move on to somebody else. Because it's an easy scapegoat in the NBA now to point to that guy. And and think about what they did. And listen, I have the utmost respect. He's one of the all-time great players. But you handed him the team when he's never been a coach before. And you just expect a head coach. And you just expect him to be able to manage these three 
massive egos, and basically what you're paying them for is to go out there and answer the questions for them. That's it. Well, here's the thing. Kevin Durant is the one that tapped him on the shoulder going back to their time in Golden State when he was a consultant with that team. So that's why he's the head coach. I don't doubt how smart he is. And Kevin Durant put all of that on him. Okay, Steve Nash, I got my coach. I got my wingman in Kyrie Irving. You went out and you made the move for James Harden. I've got all of these pieces. Now it's up to me to make it work. Much in the same way that LeBron James has gone about his business. The only difference is when LeBron is in those situations – LeBron delivers championships. When he went to Miami, delivered a championship. Back to Cleveland, delivered a championship. With the Lakers, delivered a championship. Kevin Durant hasn't done that. Even though he's a multiple champion, he's won a couple of rings, that was with a team that was already ready to go. Golden State was already dynastic before Kevin Durant got there. Which is really what bothers me when I hear him say something like this about him coming back and not trying to be the savior. Listen to this. Under 20 games left in the season, but that's the situation we're in. That's the circumstances we're in. You know what the standings are. You know, everybody's telling us every day how far we drop in and where we may end up and constantly telling us the situation we're in. But we understand that, and we know that each day is important. So we work, we focus on tonight and just keep plugging away. Not trying to come in and be the savior of the situation. <sighs> It's tough to take. I, I don't. I don't care if you don't want to be the savior of the situation. No, that's take the, the pressure that, off that, myself. That, Listen, that, that's you, the you hand that, say that that's the hand that you've been dealt. If the playoffs started today, you're in the play-in tournament and you got to play in Toronto. Guess what? No Kyrie Irving and no Ben Simmons. If you lose that game, then you've got to play the winner of Charlotte and Atlanta. If you lose, if you lose back-to-back games and don't end up in the playoffs. Your legacy absolutely takes a hit because you are the one that put this team together when it comes to the coach, when it comes to the supporting cast. This is all you. Nothing get approved for the Brooklyn Nets organization. Sean Marks doesn't make a move that Kevin Durant doesn't sign off on. This is your team. They built it around what you wanted. And if you can't deliver a championship, then it's fair for us to question how important is it for you to compete for championships knowing you left a better basketball situation in Golden State. And to me, only going to get worse from there. There it is. All right, so whether you agree with us or not, we want to hear from you. 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. That's how you get on board the Candy Call-In line. But coming up next, if Tom Brady returns next season, could you see him suiting up for someone other than the Buccaneers? Hmm. Why we'll have that answer next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. He would say, what do you want to do after football? And I'm like, what do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Brady in the gun. Blitz is on. Throws to the near left side. Pylon! And a two-hit catch for a go-ahead Patriots touchdown! The greatest and most accomplished quarterback to play the game of football. And that, of course, was the voice of Tom Brady. And Carlin and I are trying to figure out what it all means. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. And, big fella, we heard from Tom Brady yesterday. He did an interview with golfer Freddie Couples on Sirius XM Radio. Take a listen to what he had to say about life after football. I wish I had a, a, a clear vision of what the future holds, but I think for me there's, you know, a lot of um, 
there's a lot of great things ahead and a lot of great opportunities. I know I said right after football season, I was looking forward to spending time with my family, and I've done that the last five weeks, and I know there'll be a lot more of that too. So, um, you know, I like staying busy, that's for sure. I played a little bit of golf, and I'm actually going to see my parents tonight, which will be a real highlight for me on their turf. I'll be sleeping in the same bed I slept at when I was a kid. I don't think my mom knows I'm coming home yet. So it's just between my dad and I is a little bit of a surprise. So looking forward to that, looking forward to some golf uh, in the next few days and some more family time, and then we'll figure out where we go from there. I know what it means. Get away from these kids. <laughs> Big fella, I'll say this. When he put that IG post out there saying that he was retiring, it was clear that it wasn't his decision. This was something motivated by his family, wanting to spend more time with his wife and kids. But clearly, this is a guy that did not want to walk away seemingly at the height of his powers. And in that interview with Freddie Couples yesterday, he didn't dispel the notion of him returning to football. And when you're somebody as good as Tom Brady is at what he does, it's hard to walk away from it. And what compounds it is he's been playing football in the National Football League more than he's not. Like, if you look at Tom Brady's life, he spent more years in the National Football League than years not in the National Football That's League. Nuts. This is what he knows. The structure of the NFL, the competition, all of that, that's what he knows. So I can understand why he's struggling with walking away from the game. My last year in the NFL was 2015. I still struggle with not being able to go into a locker room and not being able to run out of that tunnel on Sundays and compete against the best players in the world and impose my will on other capable men. And there's a lot of other things in life that you can find that you can get into, whether it's golf, whether it's making movies, whether it's making documentaries, all that's well and good. But there will be nothing quite like what Tom Brady did for those 22 seasons in the National Football League playing against the world's best and more often than not finding yourself competing for the game's best prize. Well, he's learning something right now. It's basically been a tenant of my life. What's something that? that I have always tried to live by. Children ruin your life. <laughs> I don't have kids, and I'm joking. But am I really? I don't have kids. I got to tell you, a lot of freedom. I'm going to go back and play football right now. If I'm Tom Brady, I probably could do it. Listen, I can't imagine what it's like to have gone through that like you did. Yeah. And to have what that actually brings to your life in terms of structure and in terms of fulfillment, which clearly when you have only known one thing for your for the majority of your life and now all of a sudden you're away from it, that's a massive, massive undertaking in terms of adapting. I 100% believe there will at least be a serious flirtation with a return. Like last year, we heard that Drew Brees, you know, the Saints actually called him. Hey, do you want to come back and be the backup for a couple of weeks? And No. But if the Saints had called him and said, you know, we we kind of could use you to start the rest of the season. We got a chance here. Yeah, Maybe that's, that flirtation would have been a little bit more serious. With Brady, there's going to be the moment where he says to himself, I think I got to at least entertain this. And that's going to lead to a fight at home. And that's going to lead to a major decision at that point. And, and listen, I don't think that um, 
I don't think that we have heard the last of Tom Brady potentially playing football. I can tell you when it's going to happen, when he's going to seriously consider a return, when guys start getting ready to report to training camp. It happens in late July, that last week of July, the first week in August, when you start seeing the teams reporting, you start talking about the Hall of Fame game, guys being inducted, so on and so forth. That's around the time where, as a former player, you start getting antsy. You start looking around saying, I got something to do. I got somewhere to be. You're waking up early. You're getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning thinking, okay, it's time to get ready to go to work, only to realize you don't have a job to go to. And that's what Tom Brady is going to have to struggle with. And I'm with you, big fella. I feel like he's hitting hitting him now, though. Well, here's the thing. He's talking about spending time with his family he, he told us to the day how much time he spent with his family. I've spent five weeks with my family. Yeah, Who's and, counting the time that they spend with their family if they're perfectly content in retirement? And even it's him not saying, happening. Even him saying, I played a little golf. Like, you could tell how unfulfilling that was for yeah, him. Yeah, I played a little <laughs> golf. That was cool. I got some other things. I'm going to visit my parents. Yeah. That, that's a big... I'm going to sleep that's in a, the bed. That's a highlight of my week. Come on, man. You're talking about somebody that had the attention of the sports <laughs> world. Somebody that's used to competing on the biggest stages he's not going to get that anywhere else that he goes so if we're going to go ahead and play this game and entertain the fact that tom brady could come back this year do you think it's got to be with the tampa bay bucks or is there another team out there that you could see him signing up for i think he wants to try if he was ever going to do it he would try to figure out how to get to san francisco i absolutely believe that. i don't think he'll get there yeah but i think that's the scenario that he would want to play under all right. Northern California grew up there, the whole thing. I don't know, man. Jason Light coming out there and saying, we'll leave the light on for you. It feels like it's going to be a buck or it's going to be a bust for Tom Brady's return coming out of retirement. Coming up next, which QB will help himself the most at the Combine? We'll have our ESPN scout give us the lowdown in the latest from Indy. You're listening to Carlin and Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Big fella, let's head out to Indy and bring on ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShay. And Todd, we know at the scouting combine, the quarterbacks are always going to be front and center. So which quarterback will help himself the most in Indy this week? Well, I I would have said Malik Willis, but he's not going to run. But we already know he runs fast. So, (laughs) uh, I mean, ultimately, I'd like to see I don't. I'm not a big believer that you can, you know, significantly move move your stock up, unless you're one of the like, you know, guys that are off the radar late rounds, and maybe you, you catch the eye of a, of a coach who has an NFL coach, a quarterback coach, or coordinator that hasn't you know spent the time because they're coming off the season looking at all these guys. But ultimately, I, for the quarterbacks, it's just not a whole lot you can do to help your stock. I think Kenny Pickett will throw really well. I, I think that Desmond Ritter will throw well from Cincinnati, but the problem with Pickett, and it's become you know the handspan gate already, oh, the, the eight and a half inch handspan has <laughs> is, is become all the talk of the town because we don't have anything else to talk about at this point until the you know the tight ends are running right now and we get the wide receivers and quarterbacks throwing and running tonight. Todd, when we get to this time of year, it's always the conversation of the prospects that have the highest floor, the highest ceiling. When you look at this quarterback class, who has the highest ceiling out of the lot? Malik Willis, uh, uh, of the five quarter, really of all the quarterbacks, he has the highest ceiling, in my opinion, because he's, I mean, right away, if he were to start week one in the NFL, he's up there, I put him in the top three in terms of most dynamic running quarterbacks in the league. 
And it's not just the speed, it's the agility, the change of direction, and the lower body strength. When you see his his legs up close, I mean he's got he's got cannons for for calves, and he just and you watch him on tape, and he's he just breaks a lot of tackles. So that's part of it. And then the fact that he has the strongest arm without question in this class, and it's it's both studying him on tape, seeing him live, and then all the different ways that we measure RPMs and 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 the different ball velocity that we have now to to assist with that. So strongest arm and most dynamic athlete, but two years of starting at Liberty and had and transferred out of Auburn because he was the number three quarterback, and he's still kind of learning. And even his college coach, Hugh, Hugh Freeze, said, he doesn't know what he doesn't know yet. You know, he's got a lot of learning to do, but he's a highly intelligent person. People have been raving about him in their meetings so far, and he's, he's really com- obviously committed and, and just a competitive guy. Todd McShay, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, joining Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. Todd, who could get hurt here? Of the names that we have seen in the top ten so far, is there anybody in the next couple of days who you could see maybe hurting their stock and sliding back a bit? Well, I, I think there's, you know, there's frustration with, with Derek Stingley right now, to be totally honest, a cornerback from LSU. He's, he said he's not working out here. He's had injuries the last two years. And, and listen, injuries are injuries. Some people are wondering if, you know, if he, when things weren't going well at LSU, did he shut it down? And, and the tape shows a different human being, like a different football player. 2020 and 2021 compared to 2019 i've said before i i would take Derek stingley if you gave me just his 2019 tape versus ahmad gardner from cincinnati his tape this past year and, and remember gardner didn't give up more than 13 receiving yards in a game and never gave up a touchdown but i would take stingley's 2019 tape over over that the problem is we have this last two years of him you know avoiding contact taking bad pursuit angles so he didn't have to mix it up just not being mentally invested in every single snap. And so it, it begs the question, then now he shows up the combine, you want to see this really talented player who we, who we know runs fast and can jump and, and has all the explosive and the change of directions and the body control that you're looking for, uh, but he's not working out and claiming that it's, you know, he's just not ready yet because of injury. So I think he's one player that's, that people are starting to get a little increasingly frustrated by. Todd, edge rusher is always a premium position when it comes to drafts and in the NFL in general just because the game is geared around the quarterback. And one of the guys that Mel Kuyper throughout the college football season had at the top of his big board was Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon. Now, in his latest mock, Mel had him going fifth to the New York Giants. Can you give us your evaluation on Kayvon Thibodeau and what does he project as in the National Football League? Well, he's, he's a classic 4-3 defensive end with, with uh, explosive first step and power and the ability to get home as a pass rusher. He's another guy that, you know, scouts are a little bit frustrated. And it's tough because when you're comparing Aiden Hutchinson and the way he plays and, and you're comparing like uh, Trayvon Walker and how he plays at Georgia and Jermaine Johnson, how 61 snaps per game he averaged in Florida State this past year, and like the consistency of effort and fire that they play with to to Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and you just it's kind of up and down. I mean, you see there are plays where you're like, oh yeah, he's he's the best player in this draft. There are a lot of plays like that, but there are a lot of plays where it's like, what happened? Where'd he go? So there's a little bit of concern about that, and that's why you're going to see Thibodeau, who was the number one recruit coming out in high school, 
and was, you know, kind of presumed as the number one overall pick whenever his draft came up. And we talked about him a lot as potentially the number one pick, but as, as Hutchinson played more consistently and Thibodeau was up and down, that's changed. And I think teams in the league, when you're guaranteeing $24, $25, 26000000 million on a rookie contract, you don't want a player that's coming in and is worried about everything else and what his other futures are and, and things like that. You want a guy that's dialed in and it, it just loves ball. And love and really is going to is going to play the way that some of these other guys play on a down to down basis. So it's going to be interesting to see with Stingley and Hutchinson. I would say two, if not the two, the most I say two of the most talented players in this draft right now. The just kind of the momentum is shifting the wrong way. Todd McShay, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us. Todd, deepest position in the draft, lightest position in the draft. Deepest is edge rusher, and you guys, you guys just brought it up. I mean, it's it's a embarrassment of riches. With Aiden Hutchinson, we talked about Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, uh, Jermaine Johnson, the season he had this past year. All of those guys, uh, George Karloftis, all those guys are in my top 30. Um, Arnold Ebicady from Penn State, Logan Hall from Houston, Myjay Sanders, Cincinnati. Uh, I've got right now 17 edge rushers that I believe could go in the top 50 overall. And you love that because, I mean, really outside of quarterback, what's the next most important position? I would argue pass rusher, and, and this, this group is loaded. Uh, latest position, I would say probably defensive tackle. You know, quarter, people would argue quarterback because after, after the first five, I think it's a major drop-off until you get to Carson Strong from Nevada, who I think is, is a backup at best. And then there's not another guy that I think it's any has a chance to be better than a backup. But the defensive tackle is another spot where there's some really good, talented players at the top, but then it drops off. So if you need a defensive tackle, you better get on it early with Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, Jordan Davis, his teammate from Georgia, uh, Phil Mathis from, from Alabama, Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma, Travis Jones from Connecticut. But then there's kind of a drop-off drop off after that. And I, I think when you get into the third, fourth round, it's going to be tough to find a truly like an impact player. Well, Todd, we appreciate a few moments of your time. We know you're busy with all the goings on in Indy, but thanks for breaking down the latest when it comes to the NFL draft. You got it, guys. Have a good show. All right. That's ESPN NFL draft analyst Todd McShay joining us on ESPN Radio. And he said it. It's all about the quarterbacks, and a lot of people feel differently about this quarterback class in comparison to – the class before, or next year's class for that matter. So it's always a beauty in the eye of the beholder situation. But coming up next, we got to get to the latest with Kevin Durant's return against the Miami Heat tonight. We'll talk to you about it on the other side of this break. This is Chris Carlin, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.